IATSE Local 212 represents over 1,000 artists, technicians, and craftspeople working in Southern Alberta's entertainment industry. In the screen industry, they serve projects with budgets ranging from $100,000 to $100 million. Recent increases to local production volumes have led to increased outreach and training. Uh, they promote respectful workplaces, safety, fairness, and first-rate benefits for their members. Local 212 is open to partnering with other industry stakeholders on training and marketing initiatives. They offer an informative set etiquette course each month, which is open to all. To learn more about them, please check out their website, iatsi212.com, or like and follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Hey everybody, welcome to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. My name is Matt Waterworth. Thanks for joining me. This is the podcast where we talk about all things uh, revolving around the Alberta film and television screen industries. Um, and thanks for joining us again. Uh, Scott's not here today. He is uh, he's actually in Los Angeles, California, working uh, working on some, some stuff for our next film. So uh, that's very exciting. And you can check out our social media, the Full Swing Productions uh, uh, social media for more information about that if you're interested. Let's jump right into the industry news. Uh, casino volunteers are urgently needed uh, in Edmonton for FAVA uh, on April 9th and 10th at the Palace Casino in the West Edmonton Mall, and they're in need of some volunteers. Uh, you know, uh, uh, casino uh, is a is a hugely important thing for any nonprofit organization. Uh, you know, if they partake in them, the casino is usually a huge... Um, piece of uh required income um that you know they count on every year and and so uh getting volunteers out to make sure that goes off without a hitch is super important so um uh what what do you get in return of course you get for every hour that you volunteer you receive 20 fava bucks that can be used for up to half of a fava rental invoice uh an added bonus of volunteering uh for the casino is that you get to hang out with uh, other fava fava members and possibly get to know some new people in your community and catch up with some FAVA folks you haven't seen in a while. So uh, if you'd like to uh, volunteer, be sure to get in touch with Melissa at membership at fava.ca to sign up. FAVA Fest volunteers are also needed. Uh, FAVA this year, of course, is running a f- uh, their five-day FAVA Fest event and uh, certainly in need of, uh, of volunteers for that. So uh, 25 of bucks are available for every hour as well uh, at this event. Um, and so you can use that... Uh, uh, for up to half of your FAVA rental invoice. So that's a, a cool thing to have. Uh, you can check out volunteer at fava.ca for more information on that. And um, geez, what's, what else is going on in the, in the film news, in the FAVA film news? Channing Tatum and his lady are breaking up um, after eight years of marriage. But this isn't really a gossip, a Hollywood gossip podcast. So um, I'll shut up about that. Anyway, uh, this uh, this time around, folks, we've got the uh, the the very cool Kyle Marshall, who is going to talk to us all about uh, himself, his journey as a filmmaker, of course, but also about YYC Media Lab, which is a very cool um, place for Calgary folks to um, get access to equipment and green screen and podcasting tools and uh, sound booth and editing suites. Um, and, you know, start creating your own work uh, at the YYC Media Lab. So uh, check out uh, this, uh, this interview with Kyle Marshall, and uh, I'll have some news for you when we get back. Thanks, everybody. 
muffin talk. What kind of muffin <laughs> was it? Bread? I guess it's just a brand muffin. It must yeah, be. Yeah, that's what it tasted like. Yeah. Uh, so how are you? Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. Of course, yeah. Uh, we've we've talked about your events a little bit on the show, and and I um you know we're very excited about what you're up to. Uh, why don't you just start with introducing yourself and and uh, what Media Lab YYC is all about? For sure. So my name is Kyle Marshall. I recently started this company called Media Lab YYC, which is located in downtown Calgary. It's this kind of combination studio that has both a video component and a podcast component right. to it. So it's really a place, the uh, the kind of tagline that I've been using here recently is that I'm there to help people tell their stories, whether that's you want to create some sort of uh, video for your own personal brand or a business is coming in, as well as being able to do like your voiceovers, podcast interviews, that sort of thing. So it's right, kind of cool. a combination of both. Awesome. Yeah, um, it was, I remember kind of hearing about it here and there and, and every time being insanely jealous. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not that we have ever kind of wanted to get into something like that, but, um, you know, finding space in Calgary to do something like that, uh, has always been really tough. Yeah. yeah. And we're always like, where can we just go shoot? Or like, where can we like, yeah. Like where can we set up a green screen even like to have a room to mm-hmm, do that mm-hmm. in? Um, yeah, which is a kind of a, a weird because right now Calgary's in that weird space where there's so much unused yeah. mm-hmm. building space yeah. in the downtown core at least yeah. and yet no one can really get access to use it right right yeah and it feels like you know it's just a little bit too expensive for kind of one person you'd have to like now we got to get a group of people together to pool on this and it's like where's yeah yeah that gets kind of weird and, and, and tricky so you just kind of you, you took the leap that's right and you did it with both feet yeah why what well, made you do it well, okay, so here's here's the quick compressed story of, of what was going on. Because in about uh, 2005 is when I graduated university. I went to the University of Lethbridge for an English degree, okay, which I've never used since then. But still, <laughs> I had this English degree. And I moved uh, here to Calgary basically because I had two choices, either move back with my parents or my friend said, just come to Calgary. That's where he was at the time. Uh, and you can stay here. But right as I was graduating, the, YouTube was actually just launching. Mm. Like it was like the first few months that YouTube had been a thing. Right. And I was becoming kind of obsessed with this. Okay. I mean, I'd always been a huge film fan, kind of nerded out about it. It was like one of the first uses of going on to IMDb and checking people's yeah. histories yeah. And, and all that sort of thing. But this new YouTube thing was was cool because it seemed to be like, oh, this is like really interesting documentary work. Lo-fi for sure. Mm-hmm. But but just interesting stories that people were telling about themselves and just uh, from points of view that were not being shown in the mainstream. Right. So that was really exciting to me. And then soon after that, there was, of course, like podcasting, other new media stuff was starting to, to pop off after that. Uh, flash forward a few years, but I started going to this convention called VidCon mm-hmm. that is down in L.A. Well, I shouldn't say that. Anaheim. People get upset when they say L.A. It's <laughs> right. Anaheim is right. where, it, where it actually is. The greater metropolitan area of Los Angeles. Of Los Angeles. <laughs> you can never leave city for like yeah. forever. Yeah. Uh, and I w- really wanted to go and visit one of the YouTube spaces that Google owns. This, right. You know, they have kind of a similar idea with uh, film equipment, green screens, editing stations. I was like, I just want to go and visit, see what it looks like. Right. And then I discovered before I made the trip there, thankfully, that you can't actually go into them. Unless you have a certain number of right. subscribers, ah, you, so you can't use the space yeah, as a YouTube, even though that's what it's for for YouTubers to create stuff there. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so that really bummed me out. Yeah. So I was, I, I remember vividly sitting on the plane 
about to take off. And I was like, man, it still bugs me. I like, I really wish there was a place in Calgary where there was just this area for people to come and collaborate in and just yeah. create. And then that was the light bulb moment where I was like, oh, well, why can't I start that thing? And that was kind of the crazy journey that I started to go on, which was that I, uh, I guess I just thought I could be the person who could do that. And so that was a good 18 months of me, you know, talking with people, uh, getting a business coach for a little bit, hmm. uh, finding the money and finding the place that I wanted to actually open it up in. Cool. Cool. That's great. Yeah. That, wow. I, I didn't realize you'd, you'd gone like, that's like a real business journey. You know, a lot of yeah. us, we just jump into it, hope, hope that a business plan will, will work out or, or make sense. But, um, so you got funding some, yeah. Okay, so cool. I might, I will say straight up, my dad is very nice. All right. <laughs> uh, and he gave me $25,000 mm. as a loan. He, he does want to be paid back. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then the bank was able to give me an additional 50,000 to get started. Cool. So cool. Wow. Nice Fantastic. little kind of seed money. To Absolutely. Buy all the, you know, really expensive film equipment. Equipment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not cheap, cheap for sure. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, where is the space? The, the actual address is 7188th Avenue Southwest. Right. Uh, what that actually means is that I am part of this co-working space called The Bridge. There seems to be just a ton of different co-working yeah. spaces here in Calgary. Uh, weirdly, Calgary seems to have a lot more compared to other other cities. Yeah, I think it's a response to the vacancy rate. Yeah, it's kind of what we were talking about, right? Like, yeah. and and also the downturn has has forced or or uh, provided freedom for for a lot of the workforce to just become their own boss and start right. their own like right. I, I'm and they just need a desk freelance type thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it's a great big benefit because at least for me, having researched like. Uh, rent for an actual storefront or to try and buy a oh, building God. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is yeah. not cheap no. <laughs> no, not at all. to do it that way. So yeah. I was like, it's like, when is this actually going to happen? I have some of these funds coming, but I have no place to actually go and do it. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually when the bridge approached me. Oh, okay. They had kind of seen um, some of the videos that I had made and, and uh, Facebook posts that I had posted. And they said, why don't you come and take a look at us and see if it would be a good enough fit. And having talked with them for a little bit for a few months, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to kind of jump in here and let, uh, and let you kind of be the shell, but I can actually create my own, yeah. Yeah, my cool. own thing within cool. it. So you're kind of a block, like a block away from the globe or two blocks away or well, something? Yeah. Like a block. <laughs> yeah. A block, yeah, block, a block, block away from the globe. Yeah. yeah. Just to kind of give that sense of geography. Right. Um, and you, so you walk in the door from the street and you mm-hmm. got to take an elevator up to the second floor, third, third floor. floor. Yeah. Uh, come out of the elevator. You're just down the hall. Yeah, just onto the Someone right. Someone at the hand. desk greets you and yep. you just say Media Lab YYC. Um, and then you walk into the space. I'm just trying to visualize it for, for people. For sure. um, and then on the right is a green screen mm-hmm. or uh, other backdrops. Yeah, we come, kind of have different colors. Of right. Um, on the left is kind of some shelving for, for some equipment. Yep. Uh, and there are lights already there standing, ready to be turned on right. kind of thing. And then you got your, you got kind of a podcasting station kind of further down on the left um, with some, with some IMAX too, mm-hmm. some computers. Yep. And then on the right past the green screen is a sound booth, like a, yeah, yeah. For, so, with a computer inside it yeah. as well. So all the recording gear is inside of that already. Right. So whether it's, you need to just do a voiceover or a phone interview for a podcast type thing, yeah. it's already kind of set up, ready to go. Cool. And then you got kind of a white, like a wall that you can write on in the yeah, back. Yeah, that's one of my favorite features, yeah. actually. The, the the building, I think, used to be a training area. Okay. I don't know if it was a corporate training or whatever it was. So each of those rooms was actually a classroom style oh, okay. with desks and stuff in it. Right. They originally moved in 
before I even was a part of them. But yeah, so the entire back wall is just whiteboard, which is great for me because I really like mind mapping things. So if yeah. I'm trying to figure out a problem or uh, trying to figure out like what kind of classes I want to put on sort of thing. I just fill that board with markers and cross things out and wipe right. things off, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff too. And it's great for yeah, any sort of collaboration or just brainstorming by yourself. Um, so I think the important thing to recognize that I didn't quite understand until I had actually visited the space was that you've got a camera there already. Yeah, you've yeah. You've got lights there already. You've got the mic. You've got the boom pole. You've got everything set up. So all I really need is myself, right? Really, right. like if I just wanted to do like a talking head YouTube kind of... A script. and a, yeah, yeah, I need yeah, a script. I need to yeah. know what I'm going to say and then I can just kind of show up and do it yeah exactly like i i give people the option like i like having all the stuff there ready for people to go a couple of times people have brought their own equipment totally cool the camera store guy specifically came and did some interviewing in there oh, right. a little while ago cool and so of course they had all their own equipment right. and stuff. used a couple of my lights and stuff for to fill in and stuff but what i let people do is like i can i'm here to help you as much as you want or as little as you need right, right? yeah and yeah so like i can leave and let you have the space for an hour cool or I can be there operating the camera, making sure the lights are set up properly, cool. that sort of thing. Yeah, interesting. So, what if, what if, I mean, maybe the reason you're you're downtown is is to is to start to, you know, we were. I I'm a, I'm a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk, who sure. who's who's who says every no matter what business you're in, you need to become a media company as well because you need right, to right. be creating your own content. So. In that sense, I think you know you're right downtown. There, there are those brands, those companies, those people there who might want to be able to just you know what, let's let's go hammer out a video on this right now. Like like it's, sure. it's noon. We can head over to Media Lab YYC, record it. Where do you go from there? Like if you if you don't have any of the video making skills, mm. do you edit the videos? How or, or what happens? Yeah, that's also an option that I give to people too. So they can either take all the raw footage or all the raw recordings and take it back with them, or yeah, they can give it to me. And, and for a charge, yes, I can edit it all up and make sure that they're all happy with cool, it before cool. we put the final stamp on it. So it's, so it's really like giving the keys to anyone who wants, who wants to start making mini video content. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're there to support and fill in the gaps if, if there are any, or, and if not, that's right. you've got the space and have at it. And that's the thing. I mean, I think you're right. You hit on something really important, which is that every company is in a way nowadays has to be a media company where they have to promote themselves, whether their chosen outlet is like Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or whatever it happens to be. And I think you can go far enough with like the smartphone that you have in your pocket. There's a lot of stuff that you can do with that nowadays. At a certain point, you kind of get to this point. It's like, okay, now we need to elevate and uh, make this look a little bit more professional. Yeah, because the quality reflects on the brand ultimately, right? right? And it is good to have that kind of human touch where it's like, oh, we're people. Right. And you're just doing this on our smartphone and that's fine. But yeah, at some point, some of the content you put out has to have some polish. Has that little little blotch on it. Leave Instagram for those like fly on the wall, like Instagram story things. And then uh, bring the more professional look to the other stuff that you're uploading. And yeah, being able to, you know, uh, not just be like, your your bedroom or your right. office space where there's a lot of noise and stuff going back, but having something there, uh, yeah, that looks a little bit more professional. Right. right. Cool. Yeah, and if you just want to do like a weekly update to your community, mm-hmm. and you can, yeah, you can do it from your office, but you got the window behind you and it's blowing it out, and That's the right. sound is your computer microphone, and it just feels. That's right. Half-assed or homemade. Um, so to come in and and to know that you kind of know how to light a space, right, and I can have a backdrop behind me, and it looks. Slick and polished, um, shot on a proper camera with a proper microphone set up by someone who knows how to place it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you can see the value in that instantly, mm-hmm. for sure. Cool. 
So what about you as a filmmaker, though? Where did you get these skills that you... <laughs> well, this is a good question. I mean, way, way back, going back to my childhood, uh, I got obsessed about films because of a TV special that came on that I didn't know was coming on. This is back when I lived in the country, in rural Canada, and I legitimately had three television stations growing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, and I, whatever appeared on the screen was what like, we got was to watch. Surprise! Yeah, actually, I think even one of those was the French Channel. So really, two <laughs> two <laughs> channels is what I had right, to right, right. up. But I remember vividly. I, I probably would have been around twelve or thirteen. But it was the original American Film Institute's top one hundred films of all Whoa, time. Oh, okay, cool. And so they counted down from like one hundred to one. And you saw these like people talking about these films and why they're important and right. why they thought cool. they were so great. Yeah. Talking about talking, actually talking about film, not just watching the content. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. And so like, I mean, of course I'd seen films and a lot of the Disney stuff growing up, but this was really the first time I was really being, I think, influenced by, oh, look at all these older stuff, these silent films that I don't know too much about, or these really um, big name directors from like the seventies and the sixties, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. the changes they made. And so they were kind of filling in that context a little bit. This is a very, doesn't date me so much. But right after that, I actually joined the Columbia House. Oh, uh, shit. The DVD. The DVD. Yeah. Club. Or wow. the VHS or whatever it was. It? Actually, they, I promoted that so that yeah. you could actually start getting these films sent to you. Nice. And they, they were VHS yeah. copies of these films. Wow. It was like a buck a movie or something, right? It was, it, yeah, it something was like, like that. Yeah. It was like whatever it was. It was awesome, yeah. It was great. So, yeah, that's how I got influenced and started to watch some of these older classic films. I think much to the chagrin of some of my parents is like, no, I'm 14 and we're going to watch The Godfather tonight. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So, so that's, that's, that's how I think my love of film started. And for the longest time, I, like, I really wanted my parents to buy me a video camera. But back in the mid to late 90s, those were not cheap. Right, right. For <laughs> yeah, sure. Not even like not. an entry-level video camera. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. really something in, in the cards for us. So I think, um, so it really wasn't until university when I went there and they had just started the new media program down in Lethbridge okay. when I first arrived. And one of my roommates in residence was in the new media program. So he had like a small like mini DV camera. Um, he had like Premiere on his computer and and these tools to start to make little short films. Cool. And so I would volunteer any single time he needed help on a class project, even though I wasn't in the class itself, right. to either like hold the camera or be an extra or whatever I could do actually get in there yeah uh, i took for some electives some film theory classes i watched a lot of took a canadian film class so i could fill in the gaps there of like Sweet. how canadians fit into yeah, the, yeah, yeah into the movie making picture and so it really wasn't until i left university where i actually finally got my first film camera i started experimenting and, and shooting my own kind right. of short stuff right which eventually yes landed up on on youtube right 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 and so that's kind of my history as a filmmaker. I mean, for the majority of stuff that I've created in the past, it has been more of like a vlogging channel that I've done. Sure. So like me pointing at me talking about what I want to talk about, but also venturing a little bit into a documentary work. Cool. I, I shot a few here a couple of years ago. I wanted to make uh, three or four short documentaries on subjects, which was basically me asking on Facebook who people thought were interesting. I contacted them, spent the day with those people. Awesome. And then upload those as like mini short documentaries. That's great. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Can we detour a little bit and talk about Lethbridge? Because I don't know yeah. if we've ever talked about that program. Sure. When did you graduate? I graduated in 2005. Okay. So so can you just walk us through a little bit more in depth what, what that program was like? like the, the, the new media program? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wasn't actually in the, the new media program, okay. but I can talk to you right, a little bit about it. Right, because you said English. 
English, right, yeah. right, that's, gotcha. that's what it was. I was like the theory behind all of the, <laughs> the practical <laughs> right. work that was happening. Right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, I know it was it was fairly new, and right. what they were it was it was a combination of uh, video, uh, photography, and web. Okay, is the cool. kind of three things that they were going after, and the kind of combining them together. Sure. So this was really early days of like Adobe's software. Okay. Um, I actually took a few new media courses while I was down there. Anyways, they they were really taking a look at like how do you essentially tell stories, or how do you utilize these. Uh, Practical tools like filmmaking and photography, but in a web-based context. Right, right. The play, the way, the way people are going to really be consuming this in the future. And again, before YouTube, before any of that other stuff, I think Daily Motion was out. I guess at that point, right, right. more like comedy videos that people right. were, were were posting up online. Yeah. So the yeah it, the, the the future had not come yet in, the, <laughs> in that point. Um, there a lot of experimentation. I remember going to so many, like demonstrations is the wrong word, but um. Uh, yeah, presentations at the end of the year of like what people have worked on. And right. it's like, uh, I remember this one where they uh, they took like computer noises and then did like an art installation project where you walked through and heard these like computer oh. startup chimes and stuff like that with huh. like projections happening up on the wall. Interesting. So it's kind of that kind of integration right, right. of like the traditional art world with like new media cool. projections and videos and Very stuff cool. like that. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. So, uh, so after Lethbridge, you came back, and there's. I, I feel like we're missing a bit of the story. Sure. Like, what was between Media Lab and? Yeah. And, well, there's a lot actually yeah. between between that and Media Lab. So, the I, I told you there before that I had this choice of either moving to Calgary or going back to my parents' place. My parents' place. I grew up and was born in this really small community called Rocky Mountain House. Oh. If you've ever yeah. been or seen, yeah, 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 yeah. On map. So, for sure. At least when I was there growing up, it was 6,000 people, I okay. think, were, were in the town. I grew up on a farm yeah. for my, my my life. So that was uh, that was kind of my life until 18, then going off to Lethbridge. So because when I moved to Calgary, uh, I didn't really know what to do. And I did two things at the same time. I actually started emailing different places in Calgary to see if they would allow me to you know, start as a as an intern or something like that, one of the ad agencies said yes. And I I should have researched this before I came. I don't even know if they're still around. Oh, okay. White Iron is actually where yep. I was. They're not around anymore, but they, right. yeah. Yeah, they were. They were one of the big. Yeah, they were big. So I interned there for, I think, two months, two or three months anyways. It was unpaid was the thing. Right. right. And I was like, well, I need there to be some sort of income <laughs> right, so yeah. that I can actually give that as rent to uh, to these people that are letting me stay in their, in yeah, their basement yeah, yeah. sort of thing. And um, what that meant is that I just put my application out pretty much everywhere uh, around the city. And the first place to call me back was 7-Eleven. <laughs> so I worked at 7-Eleven from 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, to 6 a.m. I did the, I did the night the graveyard shift. shift yeah. The graveyard shift. And thinking back on it now, what I really should have done is just done part-time with them. But I didn't. I said, okay, I'll do full-time. What that really meant, though, was that, let me think if I can remember my my order here. I would go to work from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. I'd come back to my home and I think sleep for an hour and a half, get back up, go downtown to White Iron, oh, work no. there until like 5 or 6, oh. come back, eat something very quickly, sleep for like two, three hours at max, get oh. up, and kind of repeat that. Brutal. 
It was awful. Holy shit. It was really, really awful. <laughs> so uh, you, you've tapped into something that is a passion of mine. Yeah, yeah. And that's Slurpees. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and that is 7-Eleven. Uh, so, so tell me, uh, which location were you working at? I was working on the Trans-Canada location uh, that's kind of like west of, of, of Calgary, just as you leave. Oh, oh okay. okay. Just like at COP kind of area? Yeah, like yeah right okay. before COP, yeah. So their Slurpees are, are quite good there. Um, <laughs> now, the, everyone knows that the important thing about Slurpee is consistency. That's right. right. What <laughs> the hell happens in the locations where it's always liquid? And it's, I know it's not always demand because you'll go in the winter when Slurpees are at their best. Mm-hmm. No one's getting them. <laughs> and sometimes they're just, they're just garbage. Yeah. So what, who maintains these machines? So it's usually the person with the most rank is what I've discovered, oh, okay. which is never me. So I actually never, you never maintain had the to like maintain the machine. Right. Huh. And the, and when the uh, place that I was at, uh, it was like very clear, like, no, I'm the person who this, only touches. It was a point of pride. Too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So they made sure like that was actually working on all cylinders. Huh. That's great. And how, uh, like what, did you have to clean those machines? Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. So you have to like, cause that's bring pretty, them out, clean up yeah. behind them and like all the, how would people like, like change their mind halfway through and like dump it and then go oh, get, to get something else. Like all the time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> is that frowned upon? Cause I, I make sure not to do that, but I'm not sure if like, maybe I could and no one would really care. <laughs> you know what? It depends on how big it is. I mean, the ones that, that I hated the most were like, like the extra large, like the big gulps, right? That they have. Right. Like they're almost to the brim full. I'm like, no. And then like dump oh. them up. It takes forever to melt that out. Right. You just have that pile. anywhere. You have right. to like take that out and actually Ew, dump it. Ew, gross. Yeah. That's sticky work. Worst part, I remember being there is like right after summer was ending and someone, I guess during the day shift had not been playing that and cleaning behind it properly. So we noticed that there was just an ant problem coming oh, in there. Oh, no. no. It was the grossest thing. Yeah. Pulling that out and there was just being it just bugs of everywhere. Yeah. Uh, what was the most popular flavor? Oh, well, while I was there, I would have to say it was probably Coke, yeah. which is weird. It's not surprising to me. Yeah. That's my favorite as well. <laughs> I, I I always got Slurpees in the wintertime. Like yeah. At university, yeah, that's when they're best. to the 7-Eleven or the Mac store, yeah. I guess it would have been, and like get those and then come back to the university. Yeah. Did you know that uh, Calgary is one of the top Slurpee consumers in the world <laughs> after only Winnipeg? Oh, wow. Yeah, so whether... And it's mostly because of you, actually. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, damn it, Winnipeg. I don't know who's there who loves Slurpees so much. But. That's right, that's right. Uh, I like to pretend I was born on July 11th, which is right, 7-Eleven, yeah, which, which is Slurpee, 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 Slurpee Day. So I pretend that it's because in honor of my birthday, <laughs> I decided I to give me free Slurpees. Nice. <laughs> which, I, I, I can't believe we're still going on in this, but, <laughs> but <laughs> which location is this? Is this in... What was that? What's the part of town it was called? What was the neighborhood? Oh, I think it's technically Parkland is what that. Oh, okay. oh, no, it might be a little bit further west. This isn't that. like clo- close to COP? Pretty close. Yeah. Like where the, Where is that? Just kind of across the street. Um, there's like a Starbucks in that area and a McDonald's, but there's not a. a yeah, keep keep going down. Oh, further for, east, like yeah. further, further east. There's like out a of soccer town? field across the way. Oh, okay. And, yeah. I have no idea. Huh. All right. I thought it was one location, which I used to go to all the time because I worked at a film company there for yes, probably yes. around the same time. And it, I was like, I wonder if I it might be actually close to that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so uh, the uh, the job to to um, survive while you're trying to do the film That's thing right. is right. a very common experience. So, with, yeah. And it was too bad because I was really hoping that I would like be brought on to White Iron. From yeah. 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 Hawaii, but near near the end of my tenure there as you might imagine i was very tired right <laughs> so would show up maybe a little bit late every so often sure, right and, and um, it starts to affect it your starts work to affect and, my performance because yeah. it's like i'm like standing there like almost falling asleep of course, yeah, <laughs> in yeah. the middle of the day so 
like I'm not that surprised they decided not to take me on. Um, it's a bit of a, yeah. that's a tough thing because if you're not paying someone, how can they anyway? Yeah, exactly. I know. But all they have to see is that you're always, you're yeah, already late yeah. and you're, 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 yeah. you're you may be tired, but what they see is maybe someone who doesn't necessarily care. That's right. Right? Exactly. Like, yeah, right. all they have to go on is, is their limited experience. Mm. So. Which is which is unfortunate. The Calgary Film Center is a world-class screen-based production facility suitably equipped and serviced so you can execute your next project with ease. They have 50,000 square feet of purpose-built sound stages and 25,000 square feet of multi-purpose warehouse and workshop spaces complemented by the anchor tenant, William F. White, Canada's oldest and largest pr- provider of professional motion picture, television, digital media, and theatrical production equipment. I was just there a couple days ago, and uh, there's lots of activity happening. Tinstar is uh, is uh, all up in there with uh, with trucks and all sorts of fun stuff. So, at the Calgary Film Center, their aim is to deliver production support for local, national, and international screen industry projects in a purpose-built venue designed to service individual client needs, and as well. The Calgary Film Center delivers programs to engage and support innovation and excellence in the film and television industry. So to find out more, check out calgaryfilmcenter.com. So I was there in 7-Eleven. I really disliked that job a whole lot. I was like, (laughs) I don't know what to do. So I was like in this catch-22 of like, do I quit or do I stay here until I find something else? Right. Which is what I ultimately decided. Like, I'll stay here until I can find something else to do. I did go and get my... um, uh, my PA's license. That's not how you call it, but the uh, advocate in. Sure, yeah. Uh, PA, the, I like that. That's a better PA way. license. The yeah. PA license. I flash it every so often. Like, my license. <laughs> yeah. I'm able to be on this set. Um, <laughs> Step aside. Now, what do you need? I'll go get it. <laughs> um, so I did that. I did a couple of uh, like reality show shoot oh, things okay. that they called me up for for like a day. Went down to, um, not Nanton, the one south of Nanton. Anyways, one of the other southern overseas for like again a day shoot type thing. Cool. Uh, for for that sort of stuff. Never saw those productions that I did a piece huh. stuff on. Do you remember any of their names? I don't remember anymore. Oh, okay. It was I know a home modeling reno thing okay, that I was cool. helping out with on one of them. Hmm. Another one was like a History Channel thing about airplanes huh. sort of thing. Cool, cool. So, a documentary about airplanes for History Channel? I don't think it was a documentary. Oh. I think it's one of those like back I guess in those days like. It was talking about the history of like a specific Got airplane. Because okay. Nanton like has a is it Nanton on the maybe it is Nanton. South okay, Nanton. So there's a, there's a little air the air yeah, yeah, museum type yeah. thing that's there. So whichever one that is, that's yeah. where that's where I was. And then uh, it was starting to not get many calls because <laughs> uh, I mean the, that's like a boom and bust type of thing yeah, for sure. Day yeah. work sort of thing. Yeah. And then out of the blue, I was actually called by Chapters, the bookstore. Oh. I, that's one of the places I had handed out my resume yeah, when yeah. I first moved to Calgary. And they asked, would you like to come and become a manager at one of our locations? Wow. We see that you have like experience or, you know, you have an English degree. You Ah, the uh, English degree. English degree. Hey. Saves the day. <laughs> Saves the day. It's like, so you must read So you read know how books. to read. Yeah. <laughs> you, at least you have that. <laughs> so I kind of jumped, I kind of jumped at the chance of that. Uh, right, right, yeah. Not to disparage because, I mean, I'm still a big book reader, but uh, they did not pay me very much. Uh, but it was okay because right. I was not working 10 to 6 a.m. anymore. Right, right. And I uh, just kind of liked what I was doing uh, for a while. So I worked there for about three years. Cool. I worked at the... Um, Crowchild location and the Dalhousie location. I, cool. I, I worked on both of those places. Yeah. yeah. Good places. And then at about the three-year mark, I was kind of getting itchy feet again. I was like, right, oh, right, you know, right. I think it's time for, for a change. I've been here for a while. Uh, I don't know if I, I want to do this for the rest of my life, even though I like the people I was working with. 
I was at that point in charge of the children's section of the Dalhousie location, which was real fun for me, like finding people to come and read stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Merchandise properly. Wow. It was really cool. And uh, at that time, one of my co-managers was leaving, and he was leaving to work at Apple. Ah. Because the market, the market Mall location was <laughs> oh, about to open up. Right, right, right. At that point. Yeah. And he told me about this interview process, and I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. You have to, at that time, I was the least technologically savvy person <laughs> right, right. in the world. But they don't care about that necessarily. They depending. do not. Yeah. Because they can teach you that. They can teach you all that kind of stuff. Yep. Uh, I was, I learned on Mac computers in elementary school. So it's not like I had that history. Right. I, I knew about them. Uh, I, I played my Oregon Trail when I, whenever yeah. I, whenever oh, I had man. a chance. I died of dysentery so <laughs> Me often. Me too. That's all I ever died from. Yeah. But damn, I could shoot bison like you wouldn't believe. Right. It was always too much. You had too much food. You had to leave, you had to leave all these pounds of meat. Yeah. It's like, oh no. So it, it, it sounds weird, but it legitimately was this quickly. I applied online and in two minutes, someone phoned me and said, Holy would you shit. like to come in for a group interview on whatever the day was? Wow. So I said yes and was eventually hired onto there after I went through a couple more interviews as one of the original people who opened up the Market Mall cool. Apple store. Cool. And yes. I feel like I feel like I must have seen you there. How long would you I work there for? I feel like that for? too, yeah. <laughs> I, I worked for Ed Apple for 10 years. Holy. Yeah, okay. okay. And wh- what did you do? I worked at a bunch of different jobs did all the stations probably pretty much yeah. Yeah, so yeah. i started off as like a salesperson yeah out in the front i became a tech for a little bit for genius bar yeah yep cool and then i became a trainer cool. and that's what i spent most of my time doing wow. was right. training either people coming into the store or, or staff cool, cool. Uh, yeah i feel like i must have seen you there before because Mo- we've, we've yes. certainly met before just just today but but last time we met I, yeah i, got I that, have been I got waiting out in the bushes for, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um it's it's, it's interesting because not not to make this into the Apple podcast, but uh, th- there's... It is uh, on Apple Podcasts. That's so. right. Yes, good branding. <laughs> on iTunes, please rate us five stars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> I could tell so many different stories from working there. The the <laughs> And because I worked there for so long, they con- constantly refine and change things all mm-hmm, the time. Mm-hmm. But we opened up that store so understaffed. Oh, really? From really? When, for what we needed to wow, actually cool. have there. They really thought Calgary was going to be exactly like Edmonton was. Right. And Edmonton, like... Every Apple store is busy, but they thought that would be the same traffic, and right. we tripled them on a daily basis. Wow! Wow! Huh. Which means That's, well, those stores are always yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Which means that, and I remember very clearly for people coming in who needed like an appointment because their phone was broken or their computer needed fixing. It's like, great, uh, you can come back in 10 days because that's our oh, next yeah. available time. But my phone is broken now. Yeah. I, I remember a bit of that. I, yeah. I mean, I was working at 724 Films and it was an entirely Mac-based office. Mm-hmm. And anytime anyone's computer or phone or whatever needed attention, I uh, had to go there. If, yeah. if, and, and and I learned very quickly that you have to make an appointment. Yeah. Um, it's not as bad not, now. Not, now. not, yeah, bad, yeah, not yeah. as bad. You can walk in and you get can, yeah. seen probably, unless it's super busy or yeah, something, yeah. but you probably within 20, 30 minutes, right, you could probably right. have someone looking yeah. at your stuff. Yeah, that's so crazy. Very, very different from the 10 days, which is <laughs> awful to deal with. Anyway, yeah. so that all worked itself out. I actually got to a point, actually, uh, with the training where I was asked to fly around to different cities in cool, North America cool. to deliver training to new staff that were also awesome. trainers. That's cool. So I got to train You're training trainers. trainers? Oh, shit. Huh. Yeah. Wow. So you're basically Steve Jobs. Basically <laughs> Steve Jobs, yeah. I, I was, <laughs> excuse me, I was in. Austin in California, wow, the Latino cool. area for, for 
a lot of cool. time. They brought you to headquarters, to the headquarters. Wow. Were you at the campus? You must have been good. Campus. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You Behind the closed doors <laughs> of the campus. That's right. I went to the store at the campus. Yes, that's right. I, I tried to walk in the main door and they, they were like, do you have an appointment? <laughs> no. You can go outside. Yeah. Yes, Steve wanted to talk to me. <laughs> yeah, I think. exactly. It's like, he's been dead for a little while. Now. Oh, right. Uh, Tim. Tim. Uh, Tim needs to talk to me. That's what I meant. Sorry. I met Steve so many times. That's right. Uh, and then finally, yeah, that's, that was that was the place I was working at before I decided to break off and kind of start to do my own thing. Cool, wow, sweet. That actually fits now. Now that I kind of think about how you've set up Media Lab, it's kind of that open concept space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like you brought a lot of that with you. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Quick answer. I think <laughs> I, I know there's people that like hate Apple and, and everything that they they stand for in a lot of different ways. But one of the great things that they do is they really constantly. Uh, challenge their employees to grow mm, and become right. better at mm-hmm. what they do and, and whatever it is that they they want to learn about. And I I like that concept a lot is that uh, I owned my own uh, learning while I was there. So right. what I wanted, like I wanted to become a great trainer and they allowed me to become a really great trainer, cool. which was really exciting for me. And so I've definitely taken a lot of their concepts. Yes, absolutely. With like, um, like how I talk to people, how right. I, uh, structure the time within the, the lab itself. Right. Um, cool. Yeah. Just how the whole thing is presented. I want that kind of feel <laughs> right. Interesting. for people hmm. coming in. Awesome. Whew. So can we talk a little bit about vlogging? Cause we don't yeah. get to talk about vlogging very often That's on right. the show. So what, what's that whole world been like for you? You know, it's, it's really interesting because again, I've been watching YouTube since the inception mm-hmm. And vlogging, at least originally, was really that, yeah, that fly on the wall where it was, I'm sitting in my bedroom and I'm just telling you about my life or about my struggles yeah. or, you know, what's what's going on. And in many ways, it was it was just, more, well, it was more real than what you could see on regular television or in yeah, movies. Sure. Everyone tries to get that, like that truth that, that's produced. And this was actually really people doing that. So this was before there was money in YouTube, before Google had bought it eventually. And there definitely is... You were vlogging before Google had bought YouTube? I was not, oh, okay. but I was definitely watching. <laughs> yes, vlogging was the thing, yes. Yeah. yeah. I was I was too scared to upload my first few videos. I, mean, <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not good enough to upload to this no. free pro- platform <laughs> that's letting you do whatever you want to do. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but it's for YouTube. Yeah, that's, that's right. That was back when they actually saw like a TV as a logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. That's right. That's right. And back before the comments were the gutter of the internet. That that's was, right. That, yeah. is, that is true. <laughs> they were. It was a nice place to be. Actually, know? a lot of people don't know this or don't remember this is that originally for the first few months that YouTube was up, you actually couldn't subscribe to people either. Wow. Huh? There was no subscribe button. So you basically had to remember the person's username, username and type it in. Type it in <laughs> and like actually find their channel so wow. you could actually watch their that's videos. That's funny. And uh, back when the front page actually did something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so vlogging has always been near and dear to my heart because I think that there is um, just an essence there that I always like. It is someone just kind of communicating something to you, uh, hopefully in a very entertaining way. Right. That has, the, the style has definitely changed over the years. Uh, uh, for good or ill, I think that the jump cut is here to stay, mm-hmm. at least yeah. in, in that format. Sure. I don't know if it necessarily works in other formats very, very well, but definitely there, it's, it definitely yeah, works. Yeah, it fits for sure. I actually have very big opinions about the jump cut. <laughs> okay. I want to hear them. <laughs> which is jump cuts work really well 
uh, if you do kind of the traditional YouTube thing where you are actually moving in the frame, right? Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is like the background stays static, but you're moving around. Yeah. Right. Like it's just it's too a, subtle. It's a definite break because right. it's too subtle. You're just sitting there and you're cutting out your ums and ahs or something yeah. like yeah. that. It feels really weird, right? <laughs> and really off-putting. You have to make that definite break, and you're moving. <laughs> Cool. Uh, so you kind of have itself. to be a little bit more physically active. You gotta, you gotta lean into it, I guess. That's right. It's like, or it's like, I know I'm gonna cut here, so I'm gonna make my point, then actually physically move into the frame, shift a little bit, do cool. it, and then you just cut that that part out. Cool. That's a good trick. Um, so the the vlogging thing has has definitely evolved, and now you're getting people like uh, Casey Neistat, who is essentially a vlogger, but is doing like short feature films. Right. Right. <laughs> Every time he goes out, because yeah. he has his drone footage and his like high end cameras, and, and he's being he's doing deals with Nike and exactly. skydiving, and it's like not everybody's life is that <laughs> exciting or anything uh, like corporately that. sponsored and yeah, exciting. Yeah. That's right. Uh, but yeah, there's still people who can be super entertained just sitting with the same for sure. backdrop for sure. and yeah. <laughs> talking yeah. for ten minutes or Absolutely. whatever it is yeah, that they yeah. need to do. Yeah, cool. yeah you got to pop though. That's right. Wow. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think as I mean, this is true for podcasting too, but especially true now for for video making is that I don't think it's enough just to be like, I'm vlogging about movies or I'm vlogging about sports or whatever it happens to be that you're passionate about. There has to be some sort of originality there that you're you're bringing to it. Yeah. Um, So that's sometimes a hard part to find is like, what is making you stand out from the... 5,900 people who are actually totally. doing the exact yeah, same thing. Yeah, I think that takes some, you know, exploring about what yeah. makes you unique. And you, you can have some identity crises trying to figure that out. It's like, what do I bring to this that's unique from anyone else who just wants to vlog about mm-hmm. movies? Like, that's what right. can I? And I think, um, do you know Dan Olson? Have you met him? Yeah, I've not met him. I do oh, know who Dan Olson yeah, is. Yeah, he, he's a friend of ours. And he's got a great kind of vlog about just the art of editing, right? Yes, and, and absolutely. That was because he, he just knows everything about everything. And so this is his kind of unique take on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's done very well for himself because of that. Yeah, no, he yeah. does really great work. Yeah, yeah. Um, my, I mean, you, uh, you've had Kalela on here, too. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. So. Have we had Dan on here? We have had Dan, on, but, but he was promoting his story hive. We should Dan have and him Car- on. We should really have him on just as a guest, yeah, for sure. Uh, but technically, he has been on, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but not as just a singular guest. And it was a story hive thing, so it was compressed. Anyway, uh, so so tell us more about the nuts and bolts of, well, hang on. Like, What about what about you as a vlogger, though? Like, yeah, what, okay. What's your experience been like doing it? Just, yeah, um, I'm... <laughs> I always tell this to people. It, it really took me a long, long time to figure out my voice. Mm. I, and it's true for everyone. Anytime yeah. you start any type of artistic pursuit, yeah, yeah. you're essentially emulating the people that you like. Yeah. And that definitely was true for me for the last little, for the first bit of me uploading. And that's a good thing. You kind of have to yeah, work your way absolutely. through that anyways. I think so. But for me, it just like, it took me years to really figure out like, okay, this is how I like to present information. This is how I like to frame the information. Right, this right, is how... Right. Uh, this is what I bring to it. This is what I'm good at. Uh, those sorts of things. Way longer than anything what a lot of people do. Like right. sometimes we have a very clear know that right out of the gate. And it took me a while to figure that out. Gotcha. Yeah, I feel like I feel like some people don't know that they don't know. They just kind of right. press on, right? <laughs> yeah. Charge yeah. forward. And I think, I think maybe you were a bit more thoughtful about it. Yeah. I, and I think this is what kicked me to start creating much more so than I was before was because I went to that very first year of VidCon. Was you went to the first? Very event? first. Oh, yeah, interesting. The very first one. Wow. Actually, I've been to every single one. Holy shit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Do you get like a discount or like I a wish badge or something? At this point. <laughs> the very first one was really interesting because I think it was only 1,500 people. I think it was only 1,500 Holy people. Shit. It was very small. Wow. Like wow. Every, You could see everyone. Like the really huge people that were there were like just hanging out. You could go talk right, to them. Right, like right. It was yeah. no big thing. Now they're all behind curtains and you can't really go right. talk to them at all. Because you have like twenty thousand people that come, um, but yeah. it was 
coming back from that, I was so inspired by a few of the different speakers that were there. I was like, I'm going to make a video every day or so every week for the next year. And that was my goal. And I absolutely 100% did that. Wow. Congratulations. That's awesome, man. That's amazing. I will tell you, most of those were horrible, but (laughs) I still did it. And you kind of have to get through that. Right, right. right. And every time you make something, you're learning a little bit more anyways. Uh, That that classic phrase. Of course. To this point, I actually make two videos a week now. Whoa, wow. Um, Holy shit. And let me think. I've been doing it for almost eight years now at this point. So, to, so at least a video a week for eight years. Cool. What do you for, talk about? How do you fill that much content? <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, some people would ask the same question. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, but I mean, is it just whatever you want to talk about at the time? Like, I'm reading this book. I'll talk about this book. I'm, I watch pretty, this movie. Pretty much. Yeah. I have usually the next two weeks planned out okay. of like at least what I want to talk about. Right, right. And it usually is yes, either the book I'm, I'm reading or maybe a movie I just had just finished watched that I need to process my thoughts on or now you can speak from a business owner perspective yeah, so well, i bring yeah, that yeah. in every right, so right. often cool, cool. so so just as a a quick snippet i mean the f- video i just filmed this morning before coming here that will go live tomorrow uh was just about the whole like facebook oh yeah that's going on right now uh but i also talked about um uh uh, a movie that I went and saw the other week called Love Simon was like the video I did before that. Right, and yeah, yeah. then uh, the, the week before that, I was listening to this conversation uh, online or reading this conversation online about how the dodo is always portrayed as dumb, right. but really wasn't. Oh. And then, so why do we think? So I thought that was fascinating. So, so I made a video. Yeah, about cool. that. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, it's like huh. it, it can be kind of whatever varied, you want it to be, yeah. which I think is a good and bad thing at the same time because I'm not someone who talks about only the same thing right. every right. video. Uh, nor would I right. find so that you, very stimulating either. Right. So I have to kind of change it up. That is the thing about a niche, right? Is that it's yeah. focused but also narrow. So right, yeah. exactly. You, and have you dabbled in Patreon? Are you on Patreon? Are I am saying, on Patreon. Yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. So and what's I that have, like? It's great. I mean, I'm I, I'm a really big supporter of Patreon. Okay. One thing that people I think get wrong with Patreon is that it is not a place to go and find new people to give you money. Right. You kind of have to have a following first and then right. you can utilize Patreon right. really effectively for those people you yeah. already have. Interesting. Which is not necessarily what I realized it was before jumping Well, yeah, the, the best example, I became a Patreon uh, patron uh, yeah. for the first time um, because of Ralph Garman. Okay. And yep. and it's Ralph Garman and Kevin Smith do a podcast mm-hmm. called Hollywood Babylon. I I hadn't really known much about Ralph Garman uh, until he started doing this podcast with Kevin Smith. And then I became a huge fan of his through mm-hmm. Kevin Smith. Uh meanwhile, Ralph Garman is on uh K-Rock in the morning. He's one of the morning right. show guys, Kevin and Beam, one of the biggest morning shows in in North America. Um and but he's like the third guy. He does voices sure, and, sure. and stuff like that. Fart noises and things. Totally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh and anytime they have a bit, like I guess there was always a bit where like some some animal story would happen in the news and then so Kevin and Bean would interview the animal, so he would have to do a voice <laughs> as a crazy zebra or something <laughs> stupid like that. Uh he says those the those are the bits he hated the most uh so anyway uh they got bought by uh a, another company i don't know who who was but uh they just didn't extend his contract and so he i could probably look it up right now but he left uh he didn't leave he wasn't sure what he was going to do now right like he had hollywood babylon but that's not gonna you know pay for his for his family uh so he decided to start his own morning show because that's where his audience was he, sure. he had those those people interested uh, and yeah, he brought his audience to Patreon Great. 
as the as the platform for and and you've got your levels of blah 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 and then so i'm i'm the lowest level so i can just get the show right. um and he does and 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 i and i guess i, I mean i don't know what the rules are but you hear things like if you can get three thousand people to pay for what you are doing you can live on that Pretty much live on it, yeah. yeah so so i think the minimum you can do is is three dollars and it goes up from there and if you look at the number of patrons and the minimum payment he's making at least fourteen thousand dollars a month <laughs> just just doing this yeah. morning show which he was doing already so so yeah i think you're right it's about you've got to build the audience first and then bring them there that's yeah. right uh, but yeah i'm a big i'm a big fan of that company yeah yeah <laughs> i really believe in their ideals interestingly enough i actually because i've gone into vidcon so many times i know quite a few of the people who work really oh, cool, at cool. and i'll be actually touring their offices here in a couple that's weeks. awesome they're very cool yeah. very cool nice and so, you'll vlog about that experience. Oh yes, yes. Uh, that will tell me. <laughs> I feel like that. That's, that's easy content. I'm going on the trip. That's what the video. Of course, yeah. of course, yeah. <laughs> so we're we're running out of time, but before sure. we go, I know you're you're right now, and I don't know how long it's going. Uh, so I don't mm, know I don't know right. when this is going to air exactly, but hopefully it'll still be happening. You're Should you're be, kickstarting yeah. your own VidCon here in California. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, so myself, along with a few other creators here in the city, uh, decided amongst ourselves like no what would be great is if we had something like vidcon or like buffer festival out in toronto right something that's here locally totally where people don't have to travel pay all the airfare and the right. hotels and stuff like that and something kind of in their backyard especially because i've been part of the calgary video creators formerly youtube calgary right um group on facebook for for almost its initial inception and we have so many great creators in the city why yeah. not utilize that talent absolutely <laughs> and bring it here so that's that's what it's all about we know that it's uh you know going to be sometime in august um venue to be announced uh we're going around right now and finding the, the creators who are going to say yes absolutely i'm going to be there right we're also getting some outside funding as well we're going to a bunch of different companies and businesses here in the city but because this is the first year and to try and get them all rolling a little bit easier we're asking just for a little bit of help of course, to yeah, start, uh, absolutely. To start that ball rolling. What's right. the con? What's it called? The conference? It's called the Calgary Digital Expo. Is Calgary what it's called, Digital or for Expo. short, Dexpo. Is what Dexpo. We're Ooh, it. that's so, sweet. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> cool. Uh, and how can they find that to go give you some cash? Yes, if you had to Kickstarter and do a search for this Calgary Digital Expo, it'll take you right cool. to the page okay, itself. And yeah, I mean, you can do it for as little as a dollar if you want to, mm. uh, all the way up to 10,000 if you're going to be a high roller on there. But nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But uh, really deeply discounted tickets for what they're actually going to be. Cool. As well as there's a, a ticket for life. So as this goes more and more and more, oh, you sweet. can get something that will actually last for the next How summer, much is the ticket for life? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. I don't remember. I'm, I'm always into that. That's right. It's $3. Some airline did like a fly free for life yes. deal for or for like 20 years or something for, for mm-hmm. some large amount of money. But they discovered that it was to their loss majorly because yes. people would people people bought in and like they got their special like, you know. Yep. Super card platinum area. card, yeah. And then they would just fly with other people. They'd they'd sell the flights to the, as long as they were flying, they could they could have a partner. Smart. So they so they were making money just flying wherever people wanted to go. I know, I know. It's, it's the same clever. thing. Uh it's like Pepsi did the same thing. Yeah, 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 something yeah. where it was some ridiculous thing of they would give you a fighter jet and someone actually got <laughs> yes, that many. They saved Pepsi it up, cans. yeah. Yeah. And then we're like, uh <laughs> actually we can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh what about the vlog? Where can people find the vlog? Yeah. That you can go to youtube.com slash Kyle Marshall tries. Okay, nice. <laughs> or you can just type in Kyle Marshall into the search bar. That will find me too. I am not the 12-year-old boy. Okay. Uh. Good to know. <laughs> 
and what about uh, Media Lab? Where where can people find out? Yeah, oh, Lab. and actually, before we go, what's yeah. the what's the we haven't talked about the membership? How does it work? To oh yeah, you can you. Uh, you can go to the website medialabyyc.com to see some of the breakdowns on there, but it is basically a per hour okay. that you can come in and utilize it for. So for video, it's $70 an hour. Okay. And for audio only, it's $35 an hour. Cool. But Media Lab is Media Lab YYC on every single platform. Nice. For once, I had that. You got Way it. Go. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That, <laughs> that must have felt great. I know. <laughs> I've got it all. Uh, cool, man. Thank you so much for being here. Anything else we should talk about? No, or that's promote? great. Thanks okay, so great. much. Sweet. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much to Kyle for joining us. Um, what a cool guy. Uh, definitely check out his vlogs. They're pretty cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, great. Thank you. Uh, thank you to Kyle for joining us and definitely check out, uh, the YYC media lab for, uh, for access to all sorts of gear. No excuses anymore. You know, if you, uh, if you don't have the gear, if you don't have a place to record, you know, you've got, you've got the YYC media lab. So it's pretty reasonable. And, uh, if you want to make a video, you can do it. Nothing stopping you now. All right, let's jump into the news you can use, sponsored by Bleeding Art Industries. Uh, with three key female staff, one who is a co-owner of the company, Bleeding Art's tip of the week is really a shout-out to all the females working in a predominantly male industry or those who want to work in it. Taking uh, taking the words from Kate Wil- Wilshay uh, uh, from uh, the UK, I hope I got that name right, uh, the company director of, of UK-based Millennium FX, it's a hugely competitive industry, so don't hold back. Be seen. From a young age, girls are taught not to make waves. This sort of programming needs to be unwritten, so fuck it. Make waves. Being visible means producing work that pr- that people like me will see and take notice of. The mantra is gender is irrelevant, so get out there and do it. Bravo, Bleeding Art. Thanks for that message, and uh, so glad to have you as a sponsor, and we completely agree. We want to see more more females in this industry. Okay, let's get into the upcoming deadlines. Tell us Story Hive Banff Fellowship Program. Uh, this is something that's been going on for the last couple of years, uh, thanks to Story Hive. Uh, if you've always wanted to go to Banff, um, there's a great way, but it's too expensive uh, for you, which is understandable. It's quite an expensive uh, thing to jump into, uh, unfortunately. But uh, the BAMP Fellowship Program with Tell Story Hive uh, is uh, available. Uh, and this is an opportunity for Alberta and British Columbia TV film producers uh, looking to sharpen the creative edge and to develop new connections with key domestic international production partners. Um, so you're going to want to apply by April 29th, 2018 at 5 p.m. And um, if you're successful, you receive a full BAMP 2018 festival registration, three nights accommodation, a travel stipend, and market preparation support in conjunction with the National Screen Institute. So um, pretty cool opportunity. So uh, I highly recommend uh, everyone apply. I mean, uh, I don't I don't have any inside information on this one, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I can tell you that, you know, if you don't apply, you certainly don't get it. So uh, I would love to see them get just inundated with applications uh, for this because there should be a lot of us out here who who you know want to get into uh, that festival because it's uh, especially for TV very very interesting festival to to attend. Uh, upcoming events, of course, mentioned it earlier in the show today. Uh, Fava Fest is uh, Fava's seventh annual uh, event uh, this this year, running five days. And uh, showcasing films by Fava filmmakers in the Best of the Fest screenings with a diverse range of content and style and partnering with Deadfest on the Thursday night to bring a screening of Edmonton cult favorite Hello Mary Lou Prom Night 2, where the audience can get dolled up in their best and goriest 80s prom attire. 
Um, they're also uh, doing the Friday night feature event, which is an anniversary screening of Two Brothers, A Girl, and a Gun with Sean Johnston, and a rare opportunity to see an actual 35mm print. So uh, check out... Um, what can you check out? Fava.ca slash fava-fest-2018 uh, for more information on that. Upcoming screenings uh, happening this week. Uh, the screening of Love, Simon is uh, is happening. Now, this is put on by uh, Calgary blogger uh, Mike Morrison, who is uh, big, uh, kind of a big name in the Calgary social media world. And um, he uh, he is putting this on because, you know, he saw it and uh, he says, uh, everyone who sees this movie will become more empowered, I think, will become more accepting. Uh, it's a chance for people to learn about these important stories that I think teenagers are experiencing in their, in their high schools that maybe we're not talking about as much as grown-ups. For me and my boyfriend, it was basically like Star Wars. It's an important movie. It's the first movie funded by a major studio to feature a gay protagonist in their romantic role. That role has never existed before. So for me to see someone who went through a similar story as me on the big screen, it's the first time it's happened. So that is pretty incredible. And um uh, so, so it's so important uh, that that Mike has put on this free screening, uh, and it's happening April eighth at ten a.m. Uh, Landmark Cinemas uh, in Shaughnessy, uh, down on McLeod Trail, and uh, you can get your tickets uh, at the box uh, at the theater box office on the day of the show. Um, doors open at nine a.m., and uh, you, you want to look for uh, the table with the red tablecloth. Tickets will be first come, first served, so make sure you get there early. There will be two hundred and thirty tickets available. Uh, and the free tickets will only be available on the day of the show and will be available to pick up in person, not online. Tickets will be free only for this specific screening, um, and you can only get one ticket per person. So uh, you can also check out the Facebook event, um, facebook.com slash event slash 223288661740759. Not sure why I gave you that link, because you can just click it in the show notes. But uh, yeah, you can check out all the information on that Um there and of course there is also the uh calgary film um uh screening uh, doc soup screening uh which is happening this wednesday uh at 7 p.m uh it's called michelin stars tales from the kitchen and uh it is happening at the eau claire cineplex Odeon. um and this is the monthly uh documentary event that the calgary film festival puts on and um it's pretty cool uh this this documentary in, in particular, uh, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm I'm I've always been interested in the Michelin star kind of world, the food world, um, and so the the information about this uh, film is uh, says director Ramus Dennison offers a sampling of the work of today's most famous chefs while exploring the cultural moment that has given rise to the celebrity chef, foodie culture, and the golden age of gastronomy. Um, I don't know if you've seen um, the film. Uh, Jiro dreams of sushi, uh, but uh, Jiro is a—it's it, it, a documentary all about uh, this amazing sushi restaurant um, that is a three Michelin star location. And um, I don't know—I find I find it very fascinating. So uh, check it out. Uh, you can also check out CalgaryFilm.com for more information on that. And we've got some workshops and classes coming up. Uh, we've been telling you about these uh, these three great uh, events happening from Prima. Um, uh, the first one is uh, Funding Basics for Indie Filmmakers, happening on April 6th from 7 to 9 p.m. for $30. And then the next day, uh, Set Etiquette and Protocol, uh, from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on April 7th for $40. Uh, 
Uh, and then right after that, on the same day, on April 7th, uh, from 2 to 4, it's uh, a workshop, uh, ele- The Elements of Story. Um, and uh, Ava Carvonen is uh, the instructor on all of these uh, these um, uh, workshops. And uh, she is uh, she's a super cool Alberta filmmaker who's been around for a long time and, uh, and is great to learn from. So you can check out prima.org, that's P-R-I-M-A-A.org for more information about all of these events. Also happening um, on April 9th, the Financial Wellness and Tax pre- uh, Presentation, uh, Tax Preparation Presentation from AMAS um, at the Quick Draw Animation Society at 6.30 p.m. on April 9th. Um, and you can uh, get your, uh, I'm not sure if you can watch it online, but if you if you check out uh, amas.ca slash webinars, um, that's where the info is. So uh, be sure to check that out. And of course, as an artist, doing your taxes can be a challenge. So uh, that's all about um, how you can be prepared for that. Uh, another event happening on April 10th, uh, Creating a Culture of Consent, also presented by AMOS, uh, happening at the Calgary Sexual Health Center at 6.30 p.m. Um, and uh, registration is free. Uh, and you can also go to amas.ca slash webinars for more information on that. This is a workshop all about uh, uh you know, increasing knowledge and identifying how media can uh, and society perpetuate harmful messages about consent, relationships, and sexual violence. And uh, there's going to be some exploration and discussion about the bystander effect, which we've talked about before on this podcast. Um, And participants will also learn uh, practical tools that will prepare them to recognize when and how they can be uh, active bystanders. Um, So that sounds like a valuable uh, thing. So check that out. Also happening uh, from the CSIF on April 9th, uh, sorry, no, the red, uh, the deadline to register is April 9th. Uh, the event itself is Saturday, April 14th. And uh, you can, uh, y- this is called shooting on film. So you can uh, uh, see what it's like uh, to, to shoot on actual film. Now, this is uh, kind of a rare thing these days. Um, and I can't imagine a better person uh, in Alberta to teach a course like this. His name's Philip Letourneau and uh, knows film like the back of his hand. And uh, it is a cool workshop. Um uh, all about, uh, you know, everything from how, from 60 millimeter to super eight, uh, shooting for a silent film, uh, on a variety of film stocks, see how each, uh, stock affects the story and overall look of a film. And, and of course, uh, your film will be processed. Um, and, uh, and then those participants will return to see the results of the, of the processed film that you shot during the workshop. So some shooting may take place outdoors. So you want to dress for the weather and it's $150 for CSIF members and students and $190 for non-members. Uh, color grading indie film, uh, with Da Vinci resolve. Uh, this is also happening at, uh, CSIF. Um, if you've ever wondered about, uh, color grading, uh, Brendan Rathbone is, uh, one of the best and, uh, definitely someone to learn from. So, uh, you can check this workshop out by going uh, to CSF.org, uh, and it's happening Saturday, April 21st, and Sunday, April 22nd, from 1 to 5 each day. Um, it's $90 for members and students, and $130 for non-members, uh, and uh, uh, the deadline to sign up is April 16th. Uh, what's shooting in town? The Christmas Cupcakes just wrapped up, um, but Winona Earp Season 3 is still rolling, and so is Tin Star Season 2. Um that's about it, everybody. Uh, what What is my recommendation? I don't really have anything for you uh, this time around. Um, whiteboard. Use a whiteboard. 
I find <laughs> I find that using a whiteboard helps me out. Um, you probably already do, um, but I think it's great to kind of see what my tasks are and uh, organize some of my thoughts. So uh, I like having a whiteboard. Um, that's a lackluster recommendation, but uh, definitely trying to trying to catch up with the podcast game uh, here. So wanted to get this out to you uh, as quick as we could. Uh, so thanks to Briar, Chad, Britt, and Seth, who all do great work on the podcast and make it happen. Uh, if you've got anything you'd like to share with us, uh, please do let us know. You can uh, reach out to us at hello at abfilmcast.ca. And of course, we are uh, abfilmcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and SoundCloud. Uh, and please do subscribe on iTunes if you don't already uh, and give us uh, five stars there. That really does help us out. Um, and big thanks to all of our sponsors. Uh, please stay tuned for one last message from APA. Uh, and uh, when you're done listening to that, go make something. The Alberta Filmmakers Podcast is proudly sponsored by APA, the Alberta Post-Production Association. APA represents technical and creative professionals working behind the scenes in editing, sound, and visual effects. Our members live here in Alberta and support producers with expertise in picture editing, color grading, graphic design, compositing, audio post, music scoring, and so much more. For more information about post-production, visit APA online at albertapost.org.